0: Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal Word relating to events in this day and what it means to you.
1: And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hi, I'm Lonnie. And I'm Jeff. Uh, welcome, friends. Uh, we want to continue uh, where we left you last broadcast. If you recall, we were talking about the mysteries of God in the Bible. Now. A mystery merely means a truth revealed. So a lot of times we think of a mystery as something that's obscure or impossible to understand. But in Bible terms, a mystery is something that was previously hidden and that is now revealed. Now, let me just let you in know on a little bit of a secret of some of our objectives as to why uh, we do these broadcasts. One of the major objectives is, is that you might be acquainted, become acquainted with Jesus Christ. And the way you do that. Is through the Bible. The Bible, why there's more Bibles printed than any other book in the world, and yet it's probably one of the most seldom read books, and yet it's in so many homes. The Bible at one time, particularly through the Dark Ages, was called the Forbidden Book. It was burned, along with other religious uh, material. The Bible is something we want you to become acquainted with. Throughout the Dark Ages they didn't have the Bible. Throughout the Dark Ages, even if they had it, there was 75% illiteracy. The people couldn't read. And so with that was a lot of superstition, a lot of religious superstition. Then finally a man, John Gutenberg, took what some great men had done in putting the Bible both in German and finally in English, and they printed. John Gutenberg and his men printed the Bible on a printing press. With that began the mass production of Scripture. And with that also began... Uh, literacy. People began to use the Bible as as a school book, as a textbook. And as a result of that, started the Protestant movement under Martin Luther. And and then the many great reformers that came up up as as a result of that. Now, the Bible brought to life Luther's message, brought to life Wesley's message, brought to life the scriptures that we have today. And we want you to know your Bible. We're talking about the mysteries of the kingdom now. And we left Brother Lonnie, our teacher, and he was on the subject of world political powers. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, had an incredible vision about a mighty image that had risen up. And this vision or this image represented political powers. And so, Brother Lonnie, could you elaborate on that? And we'd like to pick up where we left off last time.
0: I'll be glad to do so. We were in the uh, book of Daniel, and we had just moved to the book of Revelation, but for the sake of our viewers that are just uh, joining with us this time, we'll do a little bit of a review. So in our, in our Daniel 2 is where King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has had his vision. And in this dream by night, we, I called it a vision, but it's a dream by night, he had seen an image that was uh, gold and silver and brass and iron and clay and iron and clay in the feet. And uh, all the wise men of the kingdom couldn't interpret this dream that he had. Mm -hmm. And so Daniel had said there's a God in heaven that can reveal these things. So the God in heaven then showed that this gold, silver, iron, brass, uh, I'll get it right, gold, silver, brass, iron, iron and clay image represented the world powers. Now this, this is where we're not talking history this is where Jeff had become so significant in, yeah. in that all the world powers have already been shown scripturally what will be from the time of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon all the way to the end. Mm. So we found these images that King Nebuchadnezzar himself was told through the interpretation that he was this head of gold, this king. And then in Daniel chapter seven, we find there that we, we see not just Daniel, but the anointing that was uh, on the kingdoms. Right. And starting in Daniel chapter 7, then we see uh, four beasts. And we reminded you last time that a, a beast merely means a power in biblical terms. And we have to look and see what this beast, rep, beast power represents. And so this represents the anointing that was on, on these kingdoms. And so then we had a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a fourth beast. Right. And so when Daniel saw the vision, he recognized the lion and the bear and the leopard. But the fourth beast, he says, oh, it was different. Hmm. And it had ten horns and it stamped his feet and had big teeth. And so he described the destruction that came from it, but he didn't name it as a kingdom. Then if we go over into Daniel chapter 8... By the time we get to Daniel chapter eight, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, his kingdom has already fallen to the Medes and Persians. Okay. And so therefore, by the time we get to eight, uh, Babylon is not the world power already, it has already fallen to the Medes and Persians. And then so in Daniel eight now, you can look in your Bible and see this, you can find it for yourself. It it describes first a a, a animal with two horns, and that was the two kings, uh, Cyrus, and what's the other fellow's name? Vance. Um, no, no. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, the Medes and the Persians. It'll right. come to me in a minute. And they had the two kings there, uh, the Medes and the Persians. And then that was the two horns. And then a single horned uh, animal came and busted those horns. And it, and it tells you in there that this was the king of Grecia. Right. And so uh, the Medes and Persians fell to Alexander the Great, that single king, that single horn. Then, then after that, there was a fourth kingdom that took over. And that's the mystery kingdom again. Number four has always been mystery. But the one thing, kingdoms may pass away, and kings may pass away, but spirits don't pass away. So the anointing that was on the kingdom, the lion, the bear, and the leopard, though that anointing, that nature, doesn't pass away. So consequently, we picked those up, and we got this far last time. Over in the book of Revelations, in chapter 13, that's where we were last time, And so let's go back there again, and we'll pick up there and see if we can get a little bit further in this session. So we found the anointing that was on those original kingdoms. Now keep in mind what I've said. These are the world powers all the way to the end. So the Bible has already told us exactly what the world powers will be. We, as poor mere humans, may look around and say, well, America is the big power, or Germany's taking over, or now it's coming out of... Belgium because of the uh, European Economic Council. Uh, But God has already told us where the real real power is. So in Revelation chapter 13, starting in verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Now the beginning of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 1, the beast again rises up out of the sea. When we get over into chapter 17 we will see that a large body of water represents multitudes of people. So here's a power that's rising up in a populated part of the world. Having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads names of blasphemy, most of that description fits the the fourth beast in Daniel. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, one of the kingdoms and uh, Alexander the Great was anointed with a leopard, Feet like a bear, the Medes and Persians were anointed with a bear, mm-hmm. and a mouth like a lion, that was, a, that was the anointing on Babylon. So what's happened now, these, these spirit powers have joined together into one, one forceful power at the end time. So one, let's say, political giant, we'll call it that, is, is going to be together as he's gathered all the powers from the previous kingdoms. And then it says, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Oh, now this gets interesting. If we go back to Daniel chapter 12, then we'll find two places mentioning the dragon. In verse 3, Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns. And so now there's our dragon up there already mentioned, and if we went into that, we could tell you who it was, but we won't do that right now. And then down in verse 7, And there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil Mm. and Satan, which deceives the whole world, and it goes out. Now that casting to earth, that's later. That's just going into the great tribulation. But nevertheless, here it says the dragon gave this uh, anointed Power, political power, its power and its great and seat and seat and great authority. So therefore, it's a satanic demon power. Yes. So now, so this beast we find then is we already find is has got a double anointing, a political anointing and a demon anointing. Hmm. Now, uh, look in verse three. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast, the power. So wounded to death. In a future one, we'll go back to this, but we would go back into the seven churches of Asia in Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3. And we can trace the growth of this power, just like we've looked at it here. And we we will show you that in the third church age, around in the 300s B.C. A.D., excuse me, that, that there was a transition of power that took place. That's the age in which the Roman Empire fell. And we know that that was the fourth world power because all we have to do is look back in history and see who was the world power at the time of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the right. Romans. Rome. Absolutely. The Romans were in charge. But now this is showing us that that power is wounded to death but lives again. So this power then, this Roman power, is somewhere still in existence. And so if we just now, we'll read a little further and you're going to find out exactly where it is, the scripture shows us. So now let's go to Revelation chapter 17. I love the Bible. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yes. So much is hidden right That's in right. there.
1: Exactly. And revealed.
0: And revealed, Jesus said, is hidden from the eyes of the wise and prudent, but revealed unto babes that are ready to learn. Mm -hmm. 17.1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. Now, verse 1, we'll linger there just a moment so that you'll understand exactly what's going on. A, A woman, in this case a whore, a woman is a representative of a church because a church is to be the bride of Christ. So it's, church represents woman. And so we've got, got a female now that's identified as a church, but she's a great whore. Mm-hmm. Got a comment on that?
1: Uh, no, actually. Uh, I, was, I was thinking when you were talking about political powers and, uh, and that when a political power and a religious power Merge. That's when you can have potential devastation. I mean, on, uh, on, a, on a world level, always. Um, what
0: what we watch if we go back in his, church history, we watch that when a movement first starts and is pure and it's mm-hmm, anointed of mm-hmm. God, then Holy Ghost is their power. Right. But then once they begin to lose Holy Ghost power, they almost always turn to political power hmm. and try to draw what they want or get done what they want through government. And so we we watch, sadly enough, we watch it taking place right here in America. Yes, we do. That most of the churches are looking to Washington to make laws to bring things to pass the way they want them. When actually, if the church just would draw close to God and get Holy Ghost power, it would bring it to pass itself. Yes, it would. I can
1: see that. And in reality, even though it's in its innocent stages, um, with regard to political power, there's a desire... ...for the church to somewhat legislate morality, isn't there? Always. Yeah. Always. And
0: and you you cannot run a nation on Christian principles. Because to live the Christian life, one must be born again. That's true. And so, consequently, when you try to legislate Christian morality... ...to a non-born-again people, it's just rules and regulations and they hate it. That's right. And that's why many times they they hate Christian, uh, let's say, conservative principles. Right. Because it's trying to direct the people to live a life that's contrary to the way their flesh wants mm-hmm. to go. And since there's no Christ, no Holy Ghost in their life, they don't want to hear it. So
1: in reality, our Constitution, having its foundations in the Bible, had the, had the people lived by the, the original founders of the fathers desiring that the, the, the nation lived by the, the constitutional principles which were based upon the Scriptures then we, we could have had a nation that was godly, can preserve, living by the Word of God. It wouldn't be legislating morality. But now that our nation has turned from the, the Bible principles, now, I, I don't remember who it was, but he said that a nation will either be ruled by the bayonet or by the Bible. Yeah, that was Noah, well, Noah the one that ruled Noah, Noah Webster. Webster. Right, right. Incredible. And yeah. that's true, because yes. if a people aren't going to be led inwardly by the, by the Holy Spirit, by the dove of the Holy Ghost then there's no other recourse than a dictatorship.
0: That's that's yeah. almost exactly, exactly the way it goes. And is that where yeah. we're heading
1: according to what you're reading here? And Ultimately, are we heading toward a,
0: a dictatorship? Yeah, is the we, world
1: heading toward a dictatorship of sorts?
0: It is a one world government and it will be legislated through a supreme religious power. Again, like we said before, united to political power, mm. which is always deadly. Yeah. That, that was exactly what happened in the Dark Ages was that yep that the Church of Rome was able to gain under its power the kings, and, the, and then the Church of Rome could dictate to the king, the king would then send his army to do the dirty work for the, for the church. For the church, right. Yep. Yeah, it, it, is a, it is a repeat scenario, and we have we are promised to repeat, and we, we probably won't get into it, viewing audience, we probably won't get into it in this session, but if you'll keep seeing, we'll show you in scripture, that this is this has been promised. Incredible, mm.
1: yeah. incredible. So you're in Matthew 17 here. Uh, you're going into uh, this mystery Babylon, correct? Which is uh, it, which is similar to the fourth beast that we're referring to in Daniel. Then is that correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. And so then these uh, this mystery Babylon, which uh, if you you we you and I have talked about this before, it is a church. And with political power or is it politics with church power? Tell me about that.
0: <laughs> That's a good good way to put it. Let me just read on a little right. bit here and I think I think it will clear up itself. So we've got this woman who's a great whore. The church is supposed to be the virgin bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. And we can find over there about the new Jerusalem and the adorned like a bride coming down for her husband. So we've got now a, a church who God calls a whore and of course... A whore is one who receives seed from many men, mm-hmm. whereas a virgin, a woman, a wife is, is considered clean as a virgin in scriptural terms, and she would receive seed from one source, who should be her husband. Right. And God says his word is his seed. Yes. So consequently, the true church has one source of seed, and that's God's word. Mm-hmm. But the other church, this kind of whore type woman, She's receiving all kinds of creeds and dogmas and dictates and mandates of man and interjecting it into the church. And therefore, God says, you're a whore Mm. because you're receiving your directions from too many
1: places. So what you're saying then is is that the church left the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Correct. Left the word and began to uh, get their inspiration more from headquarters or from seminary as opposed to the Bible. Absolutely. Mm.
0: Absolutely. It, it moved from, from a spirit led church to a man led church. And once mm. it moves from spirit led to man led, then of course there's nothing left but man level thinking, which is, which is uh, carnal. Yes. Carnal. Exactly. Putting, putting the scripture together by carnality. But Jesus said in Matthew 13 that his church will be built upon revelation of who Jesus Christ is in each age, who the revealed Word is in each age. And so, revelation can't be produced by the natural mind, it has to come...
1: Directly from God. Sovereignly from God, absolutely Mm -hmm. sovereignly.
0: So here there's great whore, now we just, let's put some pieces together now, just a minute. In verse 15, where it says, this great woman sits upon many waters. Verse 15 says, and the waters which thou sawest where the whore sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So now here's a church that's sitting on or ruling over peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So this isn't the little uh, local independent church we're talking about here. This church has worldwide power. And then in verse 18, it says, And the woman which you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So this is a church that is a city and has worldwide power. I think you can see, viewing audience, that is narrowing down very quickly as to what this might be. Mm -hmm. Verse 2. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, they have received of her doctrines. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So this wine, of course, stimulates. So it's a stimulation of this false doctrine that is so exciting But it's false. So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, seven heads, ten horns. This is the this is the beast we just saw in Revelation thirteen. So now that beast that was wounded to death and died again, which was the Roman power, now we see this woman that God calls a whore sitting on this same beast. Hmm. So now we've got a church riding. On a political power. Mm-hmm. So here we see the blending, like you said, Jeff, right. of church and government. Yes. And uh, always deadly, always bad. Verse, 50, verse 4 And the woman was arrayed with purple, scarlet color, decked with gold, precious stones, pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So she's giving out her false doctrines. But she's decked out you notice, in royal manner. So she sits as a queen, as she calls herself. And then verse 5, Upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great. So that's what Jeff mentioned a moment ago. So we start with Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and we end with Mystery Babylon, because we watch those world powers moving from literal Babylon all the way toward Mystery Babylon at the end, because you remember, the fourth Uh, phase of each of these kingdoms was mystery Mm -hmm. the the lion, the bear, the leopard was identifiable but the fourth beast uh, Daniel couldn't put a label on it each one the fourth power is a mystery now we're getting to this mystery the mystery is now mystery Babylon and then it says the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth so mystery Babylon this same whore that we saw in verse 1 this mystery Babylon she has daughters Hence, mm-hmm. they're called harlots. I don't know, Jeff, whether you could or not, but I can't find any definition difference between a harlot and a whore.
1: No, my, this is incredible. So then, this original church called Babylon, who was the mother, had harlot daughters.
0: Correct. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part of it is that if we just think now natural and spiritual always compare to each right. other. So, in when a little baby is born, a little girl is born, she's virgin, she's mm-hmm. pure, she's... Mm-hmm. Uh, clean and so now we're talking about women so we're talking about churches Mm -hmm. so here's churches that they're they're born pure they start pure Mm -hmm. their foundation is pure but then they turn to the ways of mama and act just like she does and so there's something that they're doing that mama did that God says
1: they're harlots so what you're saying actually is that uh they start out as virgins, and then, in other words, the movement starts out with all the right intentions. In other words, uh, the Lutheran movement, it, its basis, its foundation was, was good. It, its intentions were good, but then something within the makeup of man, they want to preserve that teaching when God wants to reveal more? Yep, that's just almost
0: entirely the picture right there. And when we mentioned uh, the Lutheran movement, uh, I want to broaden that just a little bit. Uh, virtually every movement has made exactly the same mistake. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why something special had to happen right at the end time. Mm-hmm. But to back up now a little bit, that what was it? They were born virgin. Now, for our uh, viewing audience, everything natural has a spiritual counterpart. Mm-hmm. So that when God is doing a uh, spiritual thing that we can't maybe see with our eyes, if we look at the natural, we can understand the spiritual by watching the natural. Let me just give you a real quick example. In, in the natural birth of a baby, there's, there's three things happen. There's the water, I won't mention all the details, we're on video, but there's the water, and then blood, and then the spirit of life enters the child. And so it takes all three ingredients for that little child to be born a live birth. And we go through the, through the scripture, we can see that the very same thing is true. It takes the water and the blood and the spirit to complete the birth. The natural, spiritual, they go hand in hand. The water, uh, would of course, be, would be your water baptism. And then you're sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That, that's cleaning up the vessel, getting it ready mm-hmm. for, the, for the Holy Spirit to indwell. And then then the holy spirit comes in now you've been birthed a babe in christ and at first we're only in the process Mm -hmm. when when the baby gets to a certain place uh, we can say we have a child or we're expecting a child but if the baby's stillborn nobody's happy Mm -hmm. but it so the same thing can happen with stillborn children in in the church they they come in they believe on jesus they're baptized and then they stay right there. And, and it's just, the birth process just doesn't go on. We're to go through all steps. God cleans up your life in the second part, which is the, through the blood. And then God fills you with the Holy Ghost. A person can have a dynamic experience and have it all happen at once. If we mm-hmm. believe enough and repent totally, repent and be baptized, mm-hmm. you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If we believe enough and repent enough, you can receive the Holy Ghost instantly.
1: So like, take for instance... Uh, justification under Luther, correct. Sanctification under Wesley, correct. Then the baptism of the Holy Spirit—that's the ingredients for the birth,
0: correct. Mm-hmm. And that's what God has been restoring, when God when God told Israel, "I will restore," saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. All everything, Joel said, uh, everything that the cankerworm, caterpillar, and palmerworm ate, then. What was lost during the dark ages, God is restored to bring full birth to the individual believer. Mm. And so, but it it was a process of restoration, slowly bringing the church into a fullness of truth. Mm -hmm. And so the Lutheran movement played a definite part in their age. Mm. And then John Wesley's movement played a definite part in the sanctified life. And Mm -hmm. of course, they're called Methodists because they had a method of sanctification. And then, and then the Pentecostal movement stressed the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then so, but then out of all of that then is to produce the baby. And that's, that's, that's what the end time product is. That's what we would call harvest ready. Remember that when mm. the harvest is ready, God puts in the sickle. And the harvest, of course, is the rapture.
1: So then, um, we are Lutherans plus. Or we are Wesleyans plus. We Correct. are Pentecostal plus. Correct. So we're not doing away at all with Luther's teaching, it's just that the fallacy was, is that the Lutheran stopped with Lutheran's teaching. Correct. And okay, so it's a moving on all the time, isn't it?
0: Always moving on, and, that, and that's the fallacy of what we find in scripture that God calls the harlot, mm-hmm. in, in that they place themselves under the leadership, the, the directorship of man, mm-hmm. and uh, which was what the first, that first whore did, and then the system goes on, and that's where she dies, and in you know, God's eyes, it's finished. And he, he moves on, calls out another people, and I see we're out of time, so let's we'll call it up. And so we say goodbye to all of you and we'll see you again next
1: time. God bless you.
0: To order a DVD of today's program entitled Mysteries of the Kingdom, write to this address or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Thank you for joining us and may our Lord Jesus Christ